Welcome to the Highland Quiet Life podcast. We're a nature and forest therapy based company in the Cairngorms National Park in Scotland. And I'm Kath, and you can listen to myself and fellow Canadian guide, Moose, or Michelle, talk all things forest therapy and probably a few random distractions in between. So since this is our first podcast, why don't we just do a little quick introduction? We're going to talk a bit more about what it is that uh, drew us to forest therapy or Shinrin Yoku, Shirin Yoku. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to start. Do you want me to start? Yeah, I think you should. You're doing so well. Okay, awesome. So I'm Michelle and uh, I am from Canada. I, I spent most of my life in Toronto, Ontario, and I now found myself in... Um, on the west coast in Victoria, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island, and uh, I'm um, I'm a student and a consultant and uh, someone who uses forest therapy both for my own um, personal healing as well as in the, the work that I do, which we'll talk some more about. And who are you? Well, I'm glad you asked. So I'm Kath, and um, I currently live um, in Scotland, up in the Highlands. Um, just outside a town called Granton on Spain, the Cairngorms National Park. Um, it is the centre of Scotland. There's a stone to mark it and everything. Um, and I am currently training as a guide uh, for, for nature and forest therapy. Um, and my day job is more marketing and sales. I'm working a lot with wildlife. Um, and yeah, that's me. Awesome. So... so. What I want to know from you is how you first heard about forest therapy. First time that I heard about forest therapy uh, would have been on one of the retreats that I'm involved in, in running for folks with PTSD. Um, and it's one of the modalities that we introduced into the, the weekend, uh, healing weekend that we run. So I uh, heard about forest therapy and then pretty soon after I uh, went on my first walk uh, here on the west coast, but on a small uh, Gulf island called Gabriella Island, uh, on on the land in a in a fantastic retreat center called the Haven. Um, so that's like I, I don't think I had heard much about it. I think I'd heard about it in one Facebook group at one time. Someone was doing a practicum and offered folks free walks, and no one took them up on it. <laughs> and then once I did it, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed that opportunity. <laughs> what about you? How did you hear about it? Um, so I, I think like you, there was something in the depths of my brain that had heard forest bathing, not forest therapy and, uh, Shinrin Yoku, as you pronounce so beautifully at the beginning there. Um, and there was something in the depths of it, but I went, um, on a, a conference in the States last year with work and we always have like these days of adventure before they start where you can go and do stuff. Um, and because I, my day job's working for a wildlife company. I needed something that was kind of naturey based and this was literally the only thing that was remotely naturey based um so much to people's hilarity I signed up to go forest bathing um and um and it was just the most amazing experience um you know one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had um and that was kind of my first proper introduction to it um yeah where where were you when you, when you um did? it was in the adirondack mountains um uh, lake george um amazing so yeah it was very nice it was good yeah. it was just um it was very it was like one of those life-changing kind of moments um which kind of um 
then is what led me wanting to be a guide um, and kind of wanting to train more. Um, I think there's things in your life that kind of have these massive impacts um, and they just, you, you know in your gut, whether it's gut instinct or feel it in your bones or your waters, you know, whatever phrase you want to use, that, that <laughs> you're going to get all these weird phrases fucking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you just think this is right, that's the fit. You know, if you ever um, spend your life kind of wandering about looking for the piece of the jigsaw that fits um, and you try all of these random different things and nothing's quite right. But um, after doing that session and I, I spent a lot of time speaking to the guide, the lovely Helena that took us out um, about it, I just knew that this was what I wanted to do or have as part of my life going forward. But not just doing it as a practice i wanted to be able to help other people get what i got um, and i could see how it could kind of fit into my lifestyle or my um you know sort of activities outside of work and things um and i, I just sort of started exploring it from there and that's kind of how i ended up wanting to be a guide um, what about you how did you um why why did you decide to become a guide <laughs> well, I think that's really interesting that both of us went on one walk mm. and then we're like, this is it. This is, this is something that I want to do. Um, and I think that's it. The, the other thing I want to come back to is that we've called it forest bathing and forest therapy and shirinyoku. And so let's talk a little bit, stick a pin in that and talk a little bit about uh, why we use terminology. Yeah. Like for us, I know that there, mm -hmm. you know, we can, you can Google these things and find out what the debate is, but so for me, I think um, nature has always been important to me as a young adult. And, and uh, I started a, um, a camp, an outdoors camp that was sort of like an outward bound. Do you have outward bound? You have outward bound yeah. in, the, in the UK. <laughs> yeah. But it, was, it, was pro it had programming attached to it. It was much more sort of supportive. So it was a canoe trip in the wilderness in Ontario, but it had programming um, for youth attached to it. So it kind of combined what would be Project Adventure, that's sort of the ropes course arm of, of that same kind of organization, and then outward bound with the canoe trip. Um, because I, I, as a young adult, uh, because I wasn't raised like being involved in nature very much at all. I went on a couple walks with my family in my lifetime. I think we went camping in a pop-up camper trailer one time. Um, my dad hurt us back and we never did it again. <laughs> so I really wasn't connected to the outdoors until I started, you know, looking at how outdoor education, because I was always interested in education, was could be really transformational. And some of the, you know, the way that I think about forest therapy or, or guiding um, is that I've spent a lot of my career building towards doing this work, that it draws on a lot of the different parts of me, um, like as a trainer, but then also as a facilitator who lets go of goals and lets go of uh, outcomes in some ways and is along for the process with people. Um, and someone who loves the outdoors now and has come to, to, to really enjoy that and seek time in nature in my own healing and then, of course, that led me to why it clicked with me. Um, and so there's just all these different parts that are intrigued and interested. And, and, um, but then it really strikes at sort of the depth of what, for me, uh, has been, became the, the most healing experience I've ever had in my life. So mm. something, something was right about it. And then there were also parts of me in that first walk, too, to be totally honest, that were like, I could do this better. Like, I could do this just <laughs> 
that you know connects with the the people here and why we're doing this and the land that we're on in a way that just sort of was like a challenge to me like could I like is that a possibility is there something that I is there something that it's a it felt like a calling I think that's when people talk about that that it's that it wasn't competitive but it was more like huh I, I could do this I could do mm. this and what about you what what drew you well um kind of what well, mine was just a, a lot more simple not simple but it, it purely was just the bit of the jigsaw that fitted um you know like I said it was you know there wasn't there was this kind of spark of I remember being over in the states and kind of letting Pete know what I'd done and you know my husband and kind of talking to a few friends about it and and just this amazing experience and just knowing that it was something that I wanted to carry on, but I wanted to not just kind of convert other people to doing it. I I wanted to be able, I knew I could do it myself as well. And I knew I could guide people. Um, And I knew that the effects that it could have or the the circles of people that I'm in, um, I knew how it could help people. Um, And it just felt it, it was it really was it was just the bit of the jigsaw that fitted um and and it was the also the bit that wouldn't go away you know because i'm 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 quite i think most people would say i've kind of got a history of having lots of ideas but not actually doing anything with them and kind of just yeah i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing and then oh no i'm gonna do this and um and just not doing it um but it was just the thing that just kept niggling away over the next few months because it was the june that I went and then it wasn't until the January that we ended up doing the training together and and over the sort of the following few months I kind of just left it but then it just kept coming back and thoughts about it and I kind of quietly looked at stuff and kind of looked at the application process and stuff and where I could go and and it seemed like quite a big commitment um and and not necessarily a commitment in that I haven't got the time or I wouldn't do it, but I, investment's probably the better word. It seemed like quite a big investment to make in myself. And I don't know if you're um, maybe the same or or not, um, but I, I'm not necessarily someone that invests in myself a lot. I want to make sure that other people have got what they need or the opportunities. Um, and I really feel I have to justify a lot to myself if I want to actually invest in me. Um, and that I think was the main sort of battle that I had over the next sort of six months before I properly applied for it was that, you know, this is this selfish to do this and this is going to cost money and time and it could just end up as being nothing. Um, but, you know, I, I had a couple of really supportive people that I talked to about it and, the more and more you talk about something, the more kind of normal it comes and it just becomes part of, yes, this is what's going to happen. And, and, uh, and, and that's how I kind of ended up putting in my application. So yeah, that was kind of where I got to. Um, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's, I get, I totally understand that piece around, around feeling selfish. And I think, you mm-hmm. know, we can, we can talk about that another time about, uh, about being socialized around some of that too. But um, it is one of those things where, Yes, you're investing in yourself for the, the guide training, but then as you run it and you guide, you're actually opening the door for other people mm. to make of it whatever they want, but, but to come through that door to say, yes, I want to 
I want to come out and find a connection to nature in a way that is, mm. is facilitated and guided. So while it is, the training certainly was about you, what you're doing is you're making, you become a guide to make this more available yeah. to more people. Right. Yeah. So it is, so it's interesting. So in some ways it's like, I totally get that, 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 you know, both the time and the, and the travel and then the course fees and then practicum and all the stuff that we're doing is costly. And in the end, um, it's a benefit for folks that, that will connect with you in it. And if we end up moving online, that could be a, a fairly, you know, disparate, large, diverse group of people. So I'm, I'm super glad you did it. <laughs> I think um, one of the other deciding factors um, through the summer months was I kind of had, you know, I think we all have these and we have multiple like occasions of it, but you have those things in life that happen that you just think I actually need to do something and, and I need to, you know, life is short. And, and I had a period in the summer, I think it was August last year, where in 10 days um, I had three friends that passed away and all of them um, before they should have done, um, if that makes sense, you know, um, it, it shouldn't have happened. And, and, and that really affected me because of the, the sadness and the loss, obviously, behind losing friends. But also of that, you know, none of us know how long we've got. And there's that great, you know, we've got forever, but nobody knows how long that is. You know, you can't, I, I didn't want to be someone that in 10 years time, sat there and thought oh well I could have done that but there's no point now you know um and that was a real um sort of decision maker for me for sure you know and gave me that thought of no you know I know this feels right and my gut instinct's telling me it's right and um I and I don't want to waste the time that I've got as it were um and that you know gave me a massive kind of kick to actually just get on and do it and commit mm -hmm. to it as well you know yeah for sure yeah we're talking a lot about it. I'm looking forward to uh, sort of breaking down what it is. What is, what is it? What is the forest therapy? What is the thing? What is the... What do you interpret as forest therapy? What is this? Well, so that's an interesting question because we're both now part of the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, a name that I get mixed up far too often as, as we have experienced. Um, and, and so in the process of, or in the, in the, the um, involvement in that particular organization's forest therapy experience, um, there is a sequence. There is a sequence of things that, uh, that we guide, that we guide people through, or that they guide, that we now guide people through, to sort of get folks into a place where um, they can formulate that sort of deep connection if they choose to do so. Um, so it, for me, it's this the, part of the reason I'm even interested in doing a podcast about it is it's just been this incredible experience. And I try to explain this to people. So I did one walk. I saw it impact several people fairly deeply. I was definitely one of those people that was impacted. The impact on me was that by the end of, um, I think it was maybe a two and a half hour walk in, in, in total, we did a, a, what they call the ANFT calls a sit spot where you're just basically you've gone through um, some of the sequencing and, and, and some of that's uh, invitations to listen and be quiet or to look or to be more sort of deeply connected through your senses to nature and the, and the more than sort of human world. And then at the end of this, this was one of the invitations or one of the things that they invited us to do was to go and find a place to just be for 20 minutes. 
And I went and found in the forests, uh, in the forest of uh, British Columbia, um, just right off the ocean, uh, this tree that had sort of grown sideways, which very often happens with um, some of the cedars here. And so it was a perfect thing to lie down on. It grew sideways and then straight up. And it was on these tall, like 40 meter high trees, massive fir and cedar all around me. And so I lay on it and looked up and uh, spent 20 minutes doing that and lost all track of time. Like lost all track of time. To the extent that I thought maybe that the forest therapy guide had called everyone back and I didn't hear it. <laughs> and I, which is no problem except for that I was one of the retreat leaders and I needed to, you needed like, to be back. <laughs> yeah. So I was fully involved in, I wasn't guiding. I was fully involved in, in the, in the walk. Um, and I got up, I couldn't see anyone and started walking back towards the meeting place. And the person who was guiding did a call to bring us all back together. I, I would have heard it. I wasn't that far away. Um, and so it started walking up and then started seeing people and was like, no, in fact, everyone is still doing what they were asked to do, <laughs> which then like the student in me was like, oh, I just screwed that up. I just screwed up the exercise. I failed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you just, you've got to check in. You got to figure out is it, what, like whatever. Anyway, of course they were lovely about it, but that was my first experience of what mm -hmm. I would call dropping in. So getting so into the experience of looking up and there had been a windstorm the day before and the trees were still really, they, it was still quite windy and they were moving a lot, but being so connected to the tree and the land and the smells and the sounds and and like in a place of like deep connection that I lost all track of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I hadn't had that kind of transformative experience, then I wouldn't have gone looking for, for more. I certainly, I, I wouldn't have felt it as sort of a calling of like, I can do this mm -hmm. and I can probably do this in a, in a different way that would be, you know, in, in my estimation, more something that I, that I would get something out, out of. Um, so we can talk more about the process of the actual training because that that's sort of also really interesting to me. The one other thing I'll say about about the why and the what is that I moved to the West Coast, um, left all my friends and family and all my connections of you know forty some years and moved out here um, to go to school, but also because I love the landscape and since mm -hmm. I discovered what the forest in particular, as well as the shoreline and, and the, the coast in British Columbia and especially Vancouver Island is like, I have always found it a place of deep, deep healing. And I find it, I find it more spiritual and more sacred to be in the forest here than I have in any other building, any, any other place um, in the world. There are, there are schools and libraries and places I found, find incredible as well. Um, but I've had a connection to the land here since my 20s. And so I moved out here, left all the connections behind. Um, and where I, was, where I was living was also a place of loss. I'd gone through quite a lot of really significant loss and needed, uh, needed to feel some distance from that loss um, to, to get grounded. And I just wanted to be out on Vancouver Island near the forest, in particular Souk, which is this incredible area on the coast, um, on, just up island, a little bit on the west. So the forest has always been a draw for me. And, and because we don't get a ton of snow, it's kind of a rainforest in this part of the world. You can be outside all year round, whereas in Toronto it gets like minus 30. You can be outside, but it's really cold. <laughs> and, and you're on snow more than you're on, you know, and ice more than you're on, yeah, like forest floor. Whereas here it rains, but you're, 
can even get out into um, into and onto and connected to the land in a different way that for me I knew I needed as part of, of my healing journey so um, all those pieces just like it's like you're saying it's like that jigsaw puzzle thing right it's like this beautiful 3d yeah you know uh cathedral of trees um jigsaw puzzle for me but um that's definitely definitely the draw i forgot what the question was what was the question i don't think there was a question i think oh, we were I, talking about i think i was maybe trying to get a word in edgeways um and <laughs> um but and it, I, I like what you say there about the, the cathedral of trees because i i met someone once who uh you know doesn't believe in a traditional god but there's something that isn't them and stuff and he purely says you know the the forest is my cathedral and that now makes a hundred percent sense to me i feel at my calmest when i am out in the trees out in nature outside you know and that fits with the research that you know the the tons of research that's behind um yoku forest bathing forest therapy of you know even the simple things of the colors green and blue have a better effect on you than other colors um let alone getting out into the forest and maybe we should just maybe touch on that a little bit about where it came from because we refer to forest therapy um it, it's also you know and that's there's that great quote about how um the forest is the therapist and the guide just opens the door isn't it um and we are just guiding people and the forest you know is doing the therapy um and and that's what we're striving to do in our practice um and this kind of stemmed from the 80s in in japan where they had you know, this massive increase in, in tech-based culture and people were inside and they also had this spike in cancer and autoimmune diseases and they started to research, you know, how they could do something about this. And, and one of those questions that they asked as the researchers was, what happens if we go out in nature? And that's where all of this stemmed from, you know, all of the research into phytoncides and how we can take those in and they increase our, you know, NK cells to help fight disease and cancer and um and that's where it stemmed from um and there's huge amounts of research behind this you know you can you can go to designated forests um in Japan and I think Korea as well I can't remember um where they they measure all of your vitals and actually you know look at the evidence when you go in and you come back out and um but that gut instinct, I think, from what we experienced is this is a good thing. This is the right thing. And this is something that is going to be right. Um, yeah. And that's how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the question that was, I, <laughs> this was like podcasting 101. So I said, what is it? We keep talking about it. And so that's when I said it is a bit of a process. So um, the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, ANFT. Well um, yeah uh when when we got or when we were so it's this really interesting it's a, it's like russian dolls for me right so we both went on a walk yeah got intrigued by it we're impacted by it um but this idea that you're raising about the forest as a therapist like for me i was drawn to this place where i could get into that forest because I knew I needed to heal. And I got waylaid from that healing in ways that I, you know, I sort of wish that I hadn't, but even then was also drawn into the forest as a place of healing. So the forest as a therapist is phenomenal for me. Yeah. And, and I've even done some different kinds of actual therapy where you're, you need to find in a place of like safety and 
remember where that is and be able to get back to that and, or need to go there. And it's always been a, it's been a forest for me. In fact, one of the, the forests that I, that I walk in with the dog and that's part of it too, is I have a dog, you dogs, we're out walking. It's a great way to get your dog off leash and get a good walk here um, on trails that are designated for that. So that was the start of the question is what is it? So it is, Forest therapy it is about being in the forest, but the ANFT also has some sequence pieces mm -hmm. to sort of bring participants to a place of connection is the way that I would sort of define it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Russian doll idea is that I had this experience, was interested in doing it, and then went to the training where this is the thing that's always difficult for me to kind of explain to people that, you know, in the morning we would be actually going mm -hmm. on a guided walk in the arboretum in LA with different guides so totally yeah. different styles like similar the similar sequencing of, of, of a couple different invitations but totally different guides and get impacted by it like yeah. Yeah. like be totally impacted by it as as someone who's participating in forest therapy and then in the training kick out of that and now think about what did I just experience? Like feel it, integrate it, and then integrate it into learning about the actual practice. Yeah. See, whereas I, I found, you know, every, like you say, every morning and it was early starts as well, you know, it was early starts and long days of, um, of, of every morning we did some form of, of practical, you know, forest therapy, whether it was fully guided walks or whether we were guiding or there was something out. Um, yeah. And then we'd kind of have lunch and then that was it. You had, it was kind of sit down classroom in the afternoon and you're like, no, no, you destroyed me this morning in a forest <laughs> yeah. therapy session. I'm yeah. not focusing now. Um, yeah. But it was amazing because I think you can only um, uh, successfully deliver this. I don't know if that's the right word, but if you've 100% lived it and experienced it and also benefited from it. And, and I mean, let's face it, the, the majority of the best therapies recovery programs whatever you want to talk about are lived experiences because yeah. it, it what what we're trying to do with forest therapy it can't just be a textbook right now you go and do this and then come back and then we'll go and do another one it, it's too clinical you know you have to have experienced it and that's what we did and um, but I just what I want to know because as part of our application process it was the best application form I've ever completed in my life and we had to talk about a tree that meant something to us and was that your tree from your walk no so what was that's awesome I, I love that you're gonna throw this to me although you're like I'm gonna try to get an edge and I'm gonna try to get a word in edgewise and you throwing it to me. No, I see over the months, because obviously we've only known each other, what, not even six months. And I've just learned that I just need to let you speak. And then when I have a moment, you know, normally that last sort of 30 seconds of a phone call, I can get something in and then um and then we carry on. You're cutting so, this out. You're totally getting this out. You're not taking the piss out of me about being a this is therapy. This is really um, so. As part of our application process, we had to, um, you know, describe it. Whether it was a favorite yeah. tree or a tree that meant something to us. Go. What was your tree? So my tree was actually on the on the walk um, where I take my dog. It was actually there last weekend. Uh, there's a massive um, cedar, and I'm like questioning whether it was cedar or fir. It's a cedar. I actually have a picture of me. Uh, actually, I have a picture right here on my desktop of my computer of me standing next to it. There are two of them. 
that are right on the path that are massive. Like they're, they're really, really high. It would probably take three people to put, wrap your arms around it. Um, <laughs> trees. And when I, when I first moved, um, this is in Vancouver. When I first moved to Vancouver, I didn't have a, I didn't have my dog yet. My friend who rescued her in Grenada mm -hmm. still had her. Um, so I would go out on these trails by myself and it was always I was a little bit awkward. I'm like, not that you can't go on trails without a dog, but they are also very much dog walking trails and be like, Hey, Hey, Hey. So I was kind of shy, um, uh, on the trails and, and getting to know the area and, um, probably, you know, three or four times in that forest. Um, I just completely broke down and, um, and, you know, asked the forest to heal me and leaned up against this tree and wept and realized in that process that I, one, wasn't the first person to ask a forest to heal me. And two, wasn't the first person that wept in that forest. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that it, I thought it was an amazing question that they even asked us to tell the story about that. And, and strangely enough, we didn't share those on the, on the retreat. So I don't, I don't know what your answer was either so i'm fascinated to know so what what did you say my see it was i it was i think i was so like desperate to make sure i got onto this course i i thought i've got to have some really profound tree story you know like some i started thinking of like lord of the rings style trees that walk around and you sit in them and i need some sort of real deep connection with a tree and then i just thought no i just need to beat myself and waffle something about something and and i went with um i think one of my earliest memories of a tree which even when i say that sounds a bit weird but when i when i grew up in my mum and dad's front garden there was i think it was a cherry tree yeah, I think it was a cherry tree, but it was like one of these, um, the only way I can describe it is it was like an umbrella tree. I, th I think it's called a weeping cherry, possibly more technically. Um, but it just looked like a giant umbrella and you could sit under it. And the, the older the tree got, the more gnarly and bigger the branches got. Um, and you could, you know, for most of the year, there was just this really thick sort of foliage and then the flowers and, um, and you could sit under this tree and we could play hide and seek in the street and you could hide under the tree. Um, and, and that was my tree because then in the winter months, you know, all the leaves would fall off and it would look like really sad and miserable and gnarly, um, and a bit muddy. Um, and then spring would come and it would all burst back into life and you could hide under the tree again. And that was my tree. Um, That's awesome. so I like to think that is why they admitted me to the course because I had a phenomenal tree story. I'm sure it was. I think both of us were admitted <laughs> to the course. Because of that. It's not that it's you know, relatively easy to get into the course because you're interested in the course. <laughs> it's our great tree story. I think so. Or I think they just thought, yeah, no, she needs help. We need to get <laughs> Me too. I'm like weeping against a tree saying, heal me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, and yeah. have you considered other traditional therapies as well, rather than just the tree, literally the tree as your therapist? <laughs> They're like, check the box. We want you. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, that was my tree. I want to pick up on something that is an excellent tree story. Although I feel like you need to go back and find out what kind of tree it was. I, I have, I had a tree in my backyard as a kid too, um, that I was super, I like to climb up and read books in, which I'm sure was hiding from my family as much as it was. I love to read. I remember thinking, you know, I would love a job where I could just climb on a tree and read. I wonder if those jobs exist. Um, <laughs> have you found that job yet? I have not found that job. Um, the market, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to make me laugh that much on a podcast that we're doing. I wanted to pick up on something else that you said, which was um, 
that you feel like this is that you really have to experience Mm -hmm. something to, you know, be successful in terms of introducing other people to it, right. Mm -hmm. That you have to have either gone through it or gotten something from it. And I think that's key. And I think that I've always thought that in terms of any kind of therapy, like traditional kinds of therapy, whatever, regardless of whether you call this forced bathing and people do, and that's totally fair because you're, like you were saying, like you are exposed to, yeah, yeah, like your, your, your cortisol levels will go down if you're just mindfully walking through that forest and if you're and you're literally bathing in it and being paying attention and and doing those things um you'll have you will experience those benefits so some people call it forest bathing and and we're calling it forest therapy and i think i'm using the word forest therapy and we're guides like Mm -hmm. you say who lead people to the forest and safety within that forest and make sure that we're protecting that space and watching that space with them and mindfully doing that um but the idea of needing to experience it i think as transformational which is i think some of what we're talking about is part of it but then the other piece is also um it's the kind of experience that we embody like it's it we are in our bodies experiencing that one of the ways that it is so successful is that you connect to your physical presence and your body in nature as you connect to nature so it's both i think amazing and transformative because we're committed to being transformed that's one of the things like like i think part of the reason we're even talking to each other is that on that training for us we both took full advantage of being in the experience to connect to the work we wanted to do that we wanted to do in nature anyway and that it's facilitated in this way um, but then also this this piece that experientially that it's also bringing me physically back into my body um, in nature is incredibly powerful. And 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 if you are committed to doing it, that's part of what you're committed to. Yeah. You can't get away from that connection, yeah. right? That's part of why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and there are truths to be found there, and there's healing to be found mm-hmm. in that process of becoming aware and that dropping in thing. Yeah, I think it's going to, I think, um, because, um, you know, late, later on in our podcast, we're going to talk more about the, the experience we had in LA. And, and I think we need to talk more about this dropping in as well, because that was something that I thought I'd experienced, but I didn't properly experience it until we were actually on the course in LA. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, that'll be really interesting to kind of explore that a little bit further. So, which I think is what we're going to talk about next more, isn't it? Is kind of um, what we did in LA and um, yeah, just kind of more talk about our journey and our experiences and what we've learned from it. Um, and obviously you've guided some walks, I've guided some walks. Um, and I know I've got a few folk that would be happy to come in and kind of chat about their experiences as well, as I'm sure you have. I don't know if they're going to be happy to come in and talk about it. Anyway. I'll ask them. <laughs> I'll tell you what they thought. I think they thought if they don't want to come tell us or get them to write, I'll read my evaluations out loud. Maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah. Cause that'll be really interesting. <laughs> needs improvement has just generally been the evaluation of pretty much my entire life every report card that I've gotten is need who doesn't need improvement I think I think mine was could do could do much better or (laughs) as what's that you know where you've got you've got the the ability but you're just not applying yourself totally I had a prophet one point be like have you noticed that I've given you nothing but like 
something minus. <laughs> you know, you think you're a B student, but you get B minus. You think you're an A student, but you get A minus. Because you're just not trying hard enough. I'm not going to give you that grade until I feel like you do. I had, I had a teacher once in one of my report cards, and I can't remember what year it was, um, that described me as having a buoyant personality, which I think was interpreted um, as, look, you're just being a bit of an idiot and you need to calm down and actually do some work at school. It's a great, what a great term. Like who thinks Boy, of that? Personality. Yeah. Like she's rising to the top. That's yeah. how I want to look at that. Yeah. A, <laughs> Floating around. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. Well, I think that is us. I think we should um, wrap it up for, for, for this episode. Sounds um, good. And, and in our next one, we're definitely going to investigate more about what actually happened um, and what we learn. And, and that feeling as well of doing quite intensive forest therapy, you know, doing some form of it every day. Um, yeah. That I think is really valid. So, yeah. So thank you. Uh, thank for you. Spending some of your time with me today over there in thank Canada. You. Thank you. Can we call the next episode OOLA? <laughs> yes. Okay, excellent. Secretly. We're going to call it ULA. Thank you very much. And thanks for sharing with me sort of, these are stories that I haven't heard before. This I is know. the thing that I, it's bonkers. Like have we talked every day since the training? I think we have, but I don't actually know your tree story. I didn't know your tree story. Right. And I want to see a picture of your tree, by the way. Yeah. And, no, I, uh, I get my mom and dad to dig some old front of house photos out. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I also don't know the lifespan. Like this is the other thing I'm interested in too. Like I don't, I'm not sure if that tree from when I was a kid, like do fruit trees like that? Is it ornamental? Do they last a long, long time? I like, I don't really have an idea of, you know, the sort of lifespan. I know that there are trees that like, you know, districts plant that don't always make it that long or whatever right yeah, in- yeah they kind of have a cycle don't they i don't yeah. know i mean i think there's um there's something it's it's like a search engine i think it's called that you can like <laughs> into um and that might help you i mean i've not used it myself i it's very new fandangle technology for me i've not been there but I live across the country from my childhood tree. It's going to take, I mean, maybe I could Google stock the backyard of my, uh, of my old yeah. house to see what the tree was. I was talking about yours though. You get. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for spending some time with me. And, Thank you. and I shall look forward to our next podcast. Thank you. Me too. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Highland Quiet Life podcast. Don't forget to click follow to receive updates of future episodes and do drop me an email at highlandquietlife at outlook.com to get in touch.